You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Merry Christmas, and God be praised that we continue to celebrate the incarnation of our Lord Jesus, uh, in fact, all through the year. But we know that this incarnation of our Lord Jesus was for a purpose, that Jesus sunk himself into our human nature so that he could suffer for us and so that he could suffer with us. So Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Martin Luther, at some point, I don't remember when, invented a little game, and in fact, I've never seen anybody play it, but he, he suggests that we should have a game to teach the scriptures to the children. Uh, and, and the way it goes is like this. You have two pouches, and you have, and the two pouches are, one is for doctrine or teaching, and the other is for life and living. And you give the script, the, the, the children a little piece of the uh, parchment with the scriptures written on it, and they're to read it and determine where it goes. In the, in the doctrine part of the scripture or into the life part of the scripture. But then he goes beyond that and he says that in each of those two pouches there should be two pockets. In the doctrine pouch there should be the pocket of the law and the pocket of the gospel. The law, which is God's mirror to show us our sins. It is the testimony of God uh, against us. It is the Ten Commandments which show us our failures. The law is holding up God's holiness and His holy will for us and for our lives, holds, holds it up to us uh, and our own sinful lives to show us that we need a Savior. And the result of this is contrition, sorrow, that we know our sins, and not just that we're sinners, but that because of our sins we deserve God's wrath. That's the law pouch. And then there's the gospel pouch which is the great promises of our Lord Jesus Christ. His life, His death, His suffering, His resurrection, His mercy, His kindness, His friendship, His incarnation, His love. The the gospel is the promise of the forgiveness of all of our sins, won for us by the death of Jesus on the cross. And all the scriptures that teach that are to go into the gospel pouch. So you're teaching the children to distinguish between law and gospel. But then there's another pouch, that's the life pouch, which is how we are to live in this world as Christians, and that pouch is also divided into two pockets. The first pocket is love. Now this, I think, makes sense to us, right? I mean, our Christian life is to be a life of love. Because our sins are forgiven, and because we're reconciled to God, we are free, the Bible says, to love to serve our neighbor. So that St. Paul says that love is the fulfilling of the law. Or or Jesus, when he's asked what's the greatest commandment, says the first and greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the Bible's summary of the Ten Commandments. And so love is the Bible's answer to the question, what should I do today? What should my Christian life look like. We consider our station in life according to the Ten Commandments. We know the vocations that God has given us, and we love our neighbor in these vocations. Now, as an aside, 
we, we need a little bit of clarification on love because in a lot of ways the word love has been hijacked and it's, and it's hijacked by being made an abstraction. An abstraction of the Ten Commandments instead of a summary of the Ten Commandments. And the word love is, is used against the Ten Commandments if it is an abstraction. So as an, as an example, you see the two teenagers, uh, who are, who are dating and they start to act as if they're married and you say, hey, uh, is that good or is that bad? And the justification offered for their action is that they love one another, see? So that love is used against the, against the Ten Commandments, which says you shall not commit adultery. Or, or, and I'm picking on the kids, I suppose, but a student might help their friend cheat on a test because they don't want to get, they, they love them and they don't want them to get a bad grade. Or, or someone might lie on their tax return because they love their children and they want them to have a bigger estate. Now this, this kind of love is not the, is not the love that the Bible commands. The, uh, the love of our Christian life is built upon the order of the Ten Commandments. It's never used against them. But still, this word love, as it is uh, built on the Ten Commandments and the Lord's ordering of the world, is a summary of what we are to do, a summary of how we are to act. It is the word that summarizes the law. And that is the first pouch in the life pocket of Luther's little game for the children. But there is another little pocket in the life pouch that sits next to the love pocket. And this is where the surprise of this little game from Luther is. So you have these four pockets. You have law, gospel, love, and then the fourth one is this, suffering. Now this is the surprise. There is a place there for all of the verses in the Bible about suffering. While, while love is the active part of our Christian life, what we are doing, it's suffering is the passive part of our Christian life. It's what happens to us as we live in this world against the world and the flesh and the devil. In Luther's reading of the Bible, then, there are basically four major categories. Law, gospel, love, that makes sense. But the fourth one is suffering. And I think he's right. Because suffering is simply all over the Scriptures. Now, the main thing when we consider suffering is this. Jesus suffered. I mean, we heard it in the Gospel reading from this morning. After Jesus is born in the humility of a stable, his family is fleeing to Egypt to escape the rage and pride of Herod. And this is why Jesus came. He came into the world to suffer. We see the profound depths, depths of his suffering, especially in his passion. So, the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's, when he's sweating drops of blood in this agony, or in the trials before the Sanhedrin, or before Pilate, and, and especially on the cross, Jesus suffers. And he suffers everything. He suffers in a complete way. Everything that the world and the devil can throw at him to cause him agony, he suffers. And it goes beyond this. Jesus on the cross suffers the wrath of God. Remember how Isaiah preached it. We considered him stricken by God and smitten. So that Jesus is forsaken by God on the cross. Now, now this is suffering completely. It is drinking the cup of God's wrath to the dregs. And this suffering, dear saints, is our comfort. We know that Christ suffered for us. 
as Peter said before the epistle lesson, he says, he suffered to bring us to God, to forgive our sins, to make peace between heaven and earth. We know that at the very center of the suffering of Jesus is my sin and yours and the anger of God at me. And that is why we rejoice in the suffering of Christ, because that suffering is our salvation, and we learn from it. There is a, there's a teaching in the Scripture, and I, I wish I could teach this better. Uh, may, we'll circle back in five years or so and see how we're doing then, but you all can help me. Uh, I think it, we, we do very well to meditate on this doctrine. It's something like this. We are shaped by our worship, or, or maybe a, a better... We become like the God that we worship. If we worship Baal, then we become like Baal. Bloodthirsty, lustful, hungry for power. If we worship wealth and money, we become like money. Fickle and full of self-importance and that kind of thing. Psalm 135 teaches it, and this is the text. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Do you see? If you worship the God that does not speak, then you yourself have nothing good to say. If you worship a God who cannot see, then you yourself become foolish. But we worship the true and living God. We worship the God who is love. We worship Jesus, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven. We worship the God who suffered. See? And so we suffer. And we are not surprised. This is how Peter began the epistle lesson that we heard. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This verse definitely goes in the suffering pocket of Luther's game for children. In fact, Peter here is going to give us four things that we are to do when suffering comes. But this first one is very important. We are not to be surprised. You you know, and I know, that a lot of our lives and a lot of our joys and frustrations in life have to do with our expectations. What do we expect? What do we expect from today and tomorrow? What do we expect from God? How do we think things should go? You know, when people suffer, they often ask the theology question, where's God in this suffering? Why does God let good things happen to, to bad people? And you know all these kind of questions. But I think that underneath those questions is the expectation, and that is that I and the people that I love shouldn't suffer. We live with an expectation that everything should be great. But dear saints, you did not learn this expectation from the Bible. The Bible says the opposite. Like Jesus, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, that's a promise. And it's not the promise that everything will be great. It's the opposite of that. You have a God who suffered, and so you have a life full of suffering. It seems to us like Peter 
was writing to the Christians who were right at the kind of a front wave of persecution. So that persecution for the faith was a new phenomenon to them, and they didn't know what to do with it. They were surprised at the animosity and the violence that the world was bringing against them because of the name of Jesus. And Peter says to them, what did you expect? You remember Jesus? You remember how he was dragged this way and that? How he was slapped around? How they tore out his beard and and mocked him with a crown of thorns? And how they stripped him and nailed him to the cross? What do you expect? That the world and the devil will treat you better? So you are a Christian. And so you suffer. Now, There are three other reactions that Peter is going to command us here in the text. After we expect suffering, he goes on. He says, Rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in in that name. Not only are we not Are we not to be surprised by suffering? We are to, and here are the other three things that Peter says, we are to rejoice in it, and we're not to be ashamed of it, and we are to glorify God in our suffering. Now, dear saints, this is astonishing. I mean, we are tempted, and I, at least I, I, uh, I know I am, and I, I think you might be as well. We're tempted with the opposite of all four of these things. We, we are tempted to be surprised at our suffering. We're tempted to be ashamed of our suffering. We're tempted uh, not to rejoice in our suffering, but to despair in our suffering. And we're not, and we're tempted not to bless or glorify God in our suffering, but to curse Him in our suffering. But we have the opposite reaction to all of this. Because we have a God who suffered. And this puts everything on its head. Your suffering, now listen to this, your suffering does not mean that God is mad at you. Jesus suffered God's wrath already. Your suffering does not mean that God is far away from you or that he has abandoned you. For you, Peter says, share in Christ's suffering. And he is the one who has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. Dear saints, the one who suffered for you also suffers with you. And he, though the world be taken from you and everything in it, your health and your life and all the things that you rejoice in, he is your glory and your hope and your confidence, and He, Christ Jesus, is your joy because He is your salvation. So do not be surprised when suffering comes, but rejoice. Suffering came to Jesus, and that is your salvation. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.